Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Please stay tuned at the end of this message to hear a discussion about our new premium subscription and an update on all that we're doing here at VBPH. Thanks, guys. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 21, if you will, uh, with me this evening for a few minutes. I was in uh, Australia in uh, uh, August. Uh, There was a young man made a statement that stuck in my heart, and that statement was, it's the third generation that always sells the farm. Now, he was referring to something that is very real to many people who are there. I was over in, um, in uh, uh, went straight from there into South Africa, and uh, riding in a van to the uh, services, uh, I, uh, we had several uh, Australians there, uh, and people that uh, were related to New Zealand. And I mentioned this uh, in, in passing as we uh, were riding along, and some of them responded, said, Pastor, we've actually seen this in our families. In other words, there is a, a father. This father uh, labors, uh, begins to establish a, a, a farm, a property, uh, his son uh, then joins, they're clearing the land, they're preparing, they're pulling stumps, they're uh, uh, preparing to uh, make this a productive uh, place for living and uh, make that successful. And then the grandson comes along, it's all done, it's all uh, in order. He inherits it and he no longer wants to uh, abide by the family heritage. He sells the farm, moves to the city and lives the high life. That's what it means, uh, the third generation always sells the farm. In a tremendous book called uh, uh, In the Arena by Eric Sauer, uh, old book, it's not new, that uh, you need to uh, find it on the used market and buy it. I think it uh, may be out of print. He uh, leaves us this word. Very often, the third generation, especially if a spiritual movement has failed, It has so often given up spiritual energies and biblical truths uh, and convictions uh, which by the pioneers of their movement, movement, the fathers of early revivals, uh, had been held to be precious and uh, holy. What is being talked about and what is being brought into focus is those who have no appreciation for the heritage uh, that has been left in their hands uh, and in the secular world, the family is betrayed by the third generation that sells it off, moved to the city, begin to live the high life. Uh, and the fruits of those who have pioneered this uh, are left in disaster. In the text that we have, we have a very familiar story. 
It's found in 1 Kings 21, verses 1 through 3. It came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it's near next to my house. And for it, I'll give you a vineyard uh, better than it, or if it seems good to you, I'll give you its uh, worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers uh, to you. Skip over now to verse 17. Long story in there. You know the deceit and the treachery. Ahab has uh, Naboth killed uh, by false testimony. And then verse 17 says, In the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he's gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you. Because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I'll bring calamity on you. I'll take away your posterity. I'll cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I'll make your house uh, like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, uh, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel I want to talk to you about not selling the farm. First of all, I want to examine with you the sacred dimension that we have in this text that we've just read. God links himself to heritage. And if you begin to examine and be open to God, he is interested in location, he's interested in territory, he is interested in predecessors. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, verse 6, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 23, says the land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners uh, with me. And finally, in Numbers 36, verse 9, thus no inheritance shall change hands from one tribe to another, but every tribe of the children of Israel shall keep his own uh, inheritance. So this is a dimension that is sacred, and on that uh, level, uh, there is a dimension of holiness that is involved uh, in this text and this consideration. Uh, and holiness means that there are dedicated things uh, to God, uh, and by virtue of their dedication, it makes them holy uh, and enters into dimension. Uh, and this is viewed uh, as a heritage uh, and viewed as an inheritance. See, Nabal grasped this. Listen to this verse again, verse 3, 1 Kings 21, 3. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance uh, 
of my fathers to you. Or in other words, he said, this has been passed down to me as an inheritance. I am a steward. I have received this, and I'm a steward that this is to be passed on to the next generation. Some things in life are sacred, and some things are holy. We have the story. We're very familiar with it. This is the ark. David is bringing the ark back. The oxen stumble. Uzzah reaches out his hand, and God strikes him dead because he touched something that God said, you'll not touch this in your consecration and in your life because this is holy before me. Years later, we have the story in Babylon how Belshazzar, who's a grandson to Nebuchadnezzar, who had ransacked the temple in Jerusalem, had taken the sacred vessels uh, that had been dedicated to God, uh, taken them captive into, into Babylon. Uh, they're having a good old time. Uh, he's got a, a, a stomach full of rot gut whiskey. Uh, he's feeling his oats, says, Go get the vessels out of the temple of Jehovah God. And they pour booze into it and drink and begin to mock a holy God and his holy vessels. And in that moment, a hand came out of heaven and wrote on the wall, Meany, meany, tickle you farson, you weighed in the balances and you're found wanting. Now we're talking tonight about a sacred dimension and a sacred element. And if you examine that for a moment, you begin to understand that there are things that are holy and there are sacred boundaries with God. We have the story this evening of Nahab and Abihu. These are sons of Aaron, and as they're there, uh, they uh, uh, go off the altar, take a, a, a holy fire off of a holy altar, put them in a censer, and said, we know how to do this. And as they're there in that very act, <laughs> out came a fire and fried them to crispy critters. <laughs> now, there are things that are sacred to God. There is a holy dimension, and we're dealing with that. And the kingdom of God has offices, has ministries, and has dimensions. The Bible says in Ephesians, for their apostles, their prophets, there are evangelists, their pastors, and their teachers. Each of these have a gifting from God. That gifting from God is a sacred dimension. It is holy before God. And I want to tell you this evening that a pastor role is a sacred trust. A pastor role when in your hand is laid a ministry, is laid a church, is laid a dimension. This is sacred before God, and there's a gifting, there's an enablement, and there's a sacred trust and a function that is given to you. And I want you to think about that for a moment, the sacred dimension of God. I was reading some time ago, I used this in another sermon. In Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 2, and it says, if a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep uh, or in fellowship. 
That word gripped me as I looked into that, began to ponder that. There are other texts that go along with that. And as I begin to see and understand that, I begin to tie this together. My mind began to click in the book of Amos chapter 1 verse 9. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Tyrus and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they remembered not the brotherly covenant. Some people are holy. In the book of Psalms, uh, 105 verse 15 says, Do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets uh, no harm. This is easily recognized, uh, but it is not often brought into the understanding of the sacred dimension uh, that is here. We launched a worker last night. Uh, I'm going to send them into Latoka, Fiji. I said to you, there is a court case uh, and that is soon to be decided. Uh, every evidence is uh, that we're going to get uh, that building back to continue on the work uh, that has been invested in by this fellowship. That case was tried extensively, and the hinge pin upon that, uh, as the case was tried, was it was a violation of a sacred trust. Uh, beyond any kind of legal document, beyond any kind of parsing of words, in law in Australia, in law in Fiji, after which the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the documents and the, and, and the structure of laws there, in England there is the word a trust. And in this word is a sacred dimension, and that case hinged upon this word uh, trust, Though there be no legal document, perhaps, that uh, you can roll out, it was an investment that had been made. Uh, there was an oversight that was given. There's an accountability uh, that was there that was violated, uh, and that case was tried uh, upon those principles, uh, and the history of that uh, was there. It was a sacred dimension because this is what a trust is all about. Secondly, I want to consider with you uh, the dangerous position that we're dealing here. Here's Naboth. Naboth has in his hand a sacred dimension. It is a heritage that is passed down by family. Clearly, there was a trust given to him that is to be retained and passed on to another generation. And Ahab violated that because of his selfish desire. And in that, he brought a very dangerous position. Now, this is a wrong perception that is often embraced in our fellowship and other fellowships around. And that is that when you are assigned a church or ministry, you own that ministry. Oh, we don't say that, of course. We don't say, thank you, uh, this is mine, I'll do exactly what I want to do with it uh, under the guise uh, of uh, being in the fellowship. This uh, is a proprietorship uh, and this proprietorship is maintained, not a stewardship of a sacred trust. And there are people that feel and have felt, stay with me for a moment, I'm going somewhere with this. And there are people that feel that they can take a fellowship church any direction they want. Once they've been assigned that, they own that church and they own that ministry. I remember talking to a man a couple of years ago. 
Uh, he was uh, pulling uh, part of the fellowship. As I'm talking to him on the phone, I said to him, uh, this is wrong for you to do this. And he said, don't you believe in the indigenous principle? I said, yes, I believe in the indigenous principle. That word does not mean you own that church or that fellowship. So as we look at this for a moment, we need to take very careful consideration. Just recently, I shared this in the leadership. Someone made this statement, this is not Pastor Mitchell's fellowship. This is God's fellowship. Well, nobody knows that better than Pastor Mitchell. But why are you trying to say that? Are you inferring that uh, suddenly God's changed his mind uh, and uh, now uh, he's going one direction, I'm going the other direction? Why did you say that? You said that. We all know why you said that. You said that uh, because you in your heart uh, are planning a rebellion uh, and you're saying that to justify what you want to do. Think with me for a moment about Esau. Esau is an example of this. Uh, Esau had a birthright that was given by God. That birthright was a birthright that God gave and practiced throughout the generations. But Esau felt that this birthright was his to barter. We all know the story. Flesh overpowered the spirit, and this man lost his destiny because he felt his birthright was his to barter. And this is what self-gratification is all about tonight. Listen to these words of Ahab. I will give you better for it. Or you can cash out for the money and have it in your hand. And listen to Proverbs 22:28. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Or in other words, what we're saying tonight is the fellowship has set some things in place that are landmarks. As those landmarks are set in place, it is not your prerogative to change them because you don't like it. This is a landmark that God has given us as a fellowship. And there's a constant historic drift. I believe it was Paul Stevens that quoted this scripture this morning. Yes, yesterday morning. Judges 2, verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. And in verse 12 says, They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from uh, among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed down to them, uh, and they provoked the Lord uh, to anger. Here's the third generation. Here's the third generation. As they come along, uh, then uh, they uh, turn to their own ways, uh, begin to worship other gods uh, besides uh, the gods uh, that their fathers had worshipped. If you were absent or you could not attend the morning seminars this morning, you need to get the tape by John Gooding, a classic of all time, and he makes a statement about idolatry. You see, we, we have a wrong idea about idolatry. We think that idolatry is, uh, uh, is uh, putting a Christmas tree uh, and dancing around and saying, Hail, Baal. 
or idolatry is uh, saying, ooh, great Buddha, or some other uh, deity, but he explained very carefully uh, and very distinctly what idolatry is. Uh, idolatry uh, is uh, giving uh, rein to the desire of your own heart. Uh, you see, in our heart are many desires. You know, we say, oh, oh, I've got a good heart. Well, thank God for that, because they're very rare. Idolatry is living out the desires of your own heart and then sanctifying them with religious verbiage and accommodating theology all the time you're justifying what you're doing. Think about a man named Saul. Saul is there. Samuel comes on the scene. Listen to me about idolatry. Samuel comes on the scene. And as Samuel comes on the scene, Saul says, I've done the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel says then, if Saul says that, and Samuel says then, what is this sound that I hear of the bleating of the sheep then? Oh, well, the people were clamoring, and they, uh, they, they made me do that. That's why I did that. It was the people that did that. But it's actually Saul's own self-will uh, that he wants to give an accommodating theology uh, to accomplish his own self-will. Now, this never ends. This third-generation syndrome is very common, and sometimes it doesn't wait till the third generation. Paul the Apostle, we were just in a tour of... Uh, of uh, uh, Turkey and Greece. We went down to a place uh, in, uh, in Turkey called Miletus. Uh, this is the place where Paul called the elders or the pastors of the church of Ephesus. Uh, and he did not land in Ephesus. Uh, he summoned them to come down and some 30 to 40 miles down the coast uh, is the city of Miletus. Uh, and there as they came, uh, Paul had a meeting with them, and in this meeting he said to them these words, Acts 20, uh, 29 and 30, For I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will arise, uh, speaking perverse things uh, to draw away the disciples uh, after themselves. So here the Apostle Paul lays in order and says, I want to warn you, this is the process that is as old as time. This is the thing that we observed over and over again in church history. And let me make this statement to you this, morning, this evening. Lock it into your heart. If the church, if our fellowship is just a group of people, just a band of brothers, it doesn't really matter. If it's just a band of brothers that are organized together by human ability, then that, that is one dimension. But this evening, if God has called this fellowship into being, and if God has brought into being what you and I are enjoying in this place tonight, can you say amen? If God has brought into being, called into purpose, what you and I are involved in tonight, then... We're in covenant with him, and if we're in covenant with him, our position is as a heritage from God. Paul draws a picture. I want to draw this picture for you. This picture is drawn in Hebrews, and the setting is a mountain. This mountain is the mountain of the Lord where Moses went to get the Ten Commandments. 
And as he draws this picture, there is an awesome reverence uh, because Moses goes up into this mountain to get the Ten Commandments, uh, which is the covenant uh, that he has with God. And as Paul draws that picture, he draws the picture of a mountain, Hebrews chapter 12, that's burning with fire. He draws a picture of a tempest, uh, a powerful wind that is coming like a tornado. He draws a picture of a shaking and a trembling. He draws a picture that if any beast would even come near that, he'd be stoned or thrust through the spear. And he says very clearly that this sight was so awesome of God's manifestation that Moses trembled when he saw that. Now, move with me for a moment because the reason he draws that picture is he says to you and I, the issue is far more serious than these visible manifestations. And he says to you and I in Hebrews 12:22, but you have come, not to that mountain, not to that mountain which shook and trembled, not to that mountain which burned by fire, not to that mountain where a great trumpet blew, Pooh! and the people trembled in awe and reverence. No, that's not the mountain you come to. He says, you've come to a mountain that is Mount Zion. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Do you feel this evening the reverence that the Apostle Paul is trying to compute into the hearts of these that are there? Or in other words, what he was saying was, have you no fear of God? I wonder tonight, have you no fear of God? You see, what you and I are involved in isn't just a religious club. It isn't just an organization organized like General Motors or Amway. What you and I are involved in is a sacred dimension that God himself has brought to pass. And the Apostle Paul is seeking to convey a sense of awesome reverence for holy things that have been laid in their hands as believers in Jesus Christ and the New Covenant. So let's talk for a moment as I conclude about the solemn warning that we have here. We have history and the Bible. And our leadership is interesting. We meet together before the Winter Conference, always have leadership meetings which are very, very fruitful. And one of the pastors is bringing a seminar, and he said, we need to learn from history. And I had to pipe up, the only thing we learn from history is we do not learn from history. First Corinthians 10, verse 6. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now all these things, verse 11, happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands 
Take heed lest he fall. Here we are in a solemn consideration. Would a man dare to rise up and take a church that others have labored in, that they've given their lives for, so that you can further your own agenda and break covenant with God? One translation of one of those verses says, He has made light of the oath he took by me and has violated the covenant. Another says, He did not seriously remember their brotherly covenant. And another, as though bond, there were none between brethren. So let's look for a moment because God specifically notes for you and I an example and a lesson and an admonition and writes it down because God sees and God will judge. Listen to 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 16. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Listen to verse 21 because here's the clicker. Behold, I'll bring calamity on you. I'll take away your posterity uh, and will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. To you and I this evening, that means discipleship. You see, what we have here is uh, the worst dimension, and that dimension is unseen, often unobserved, not often instantly judged, is this glorious principle of discipleship because that's what's at stake because that is what world evangelism is all about. It is unseen, but it is powerful. And I want you to know that God will not allow a violation of that without you personally having to pay a price for violating that. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 17, verse 15, will he prosper? Can one who so behaves escape? Can he break his covenant promise and go free? And that covenant I made with him, another translation says, I will bring retribution upon him. You see, the issue that we have here is don't sell the farm. You and I have been given a sacred dimension, and that sacred dimension is always at risk. Paul the Apostle said to the pastors, he gathered them at Miletus, here is this process, it never ends. That grievous wolves will come in from outside to attack the flock. They bring doctrines, they bring all kinds of fads and movements. And besides that, the most horrible thing is that from yourselves, men will arise drawing away disciples after them, not sparing the flock. Paul writes to a man named Timothy. He's the pastor at Ephesus, and he says uh, these words, My son Timothy, I charge you. The church of Jesus Christ is not a democracy. It is a, an army that has commanders and has military positions. And this is why the apostle Paul says, uh, I charge you. Don't sell the farm, Timothy. He says, I say to you, Timothy, I want you to remember my words. I want you to remember my example. Don't run after the fads of the moment. Be sure that you pay attention to 
the pattern that has been left to you and set in order uh, that you do not uh, violate that because God is intimately concerned uh, this evening about heritage uh, and inheritance. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 23 and verse 10, do not remove the ancient landmark. What does that mean? What that means is uh, you be very sure you don't ex exploit the third generation uh, that have been removed, far removed and long removed from the first generation uh, who pioneered uh, and brought to pass uh, the example that has made you fruitful where you are. There's a word that is used over and over in the Scriptures uh, that I've often pondered, uh, and that is the word the fathers. Sometimes when you uh, are just musing, go through the Scripture and see how many times that's used, uh, the fathers. It's used for a reason, and that reason has to do with a sacred inheritance. Uh, it has to do with uh, a dimension of a sacred trust uh, that has been left to you and I even down to this day by the fathers. So as we begin to look at this for a moment, let's talk about the trail of tears as I conclude. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16 and 17 says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently uh, with tears. I want to relate to you a sobering uh, history. This is only in part. There is a man who once was a powerful leader of a nation, a man who was blessed because uh, of the sacred thing that God left in our hands. Uh, this man is selling Yellow Pages advertising today for a living. There is a man who recently, this man was a leader of a nation also. He's preaching in a city, and as he's preaching there, he looks out upon the congregation, and he makes this remark as he counted in his audience seven people. And he said, I, wonder, I, I once ministered to hundreds. I wonder if I made a mistake. Duh. See, we're not talking about some fairy tale that's written. We're talking about real people in real life. There's another leader of a nation. This man is a man I referred to. The last words I spoke to him was, you're making a mistake, and God is not going to bless you. And he said these words to me, I do not believe that. And I said, well, you will find out. The last news I had of this man, he, because of the pathway he was on, which I tried to bring him back from correction, he was locked out of his building, padlocked because of his insanity uh, of a de delusive dimension he was in, the landlord of that building who had locked him out was outside in the street and this man was pushing this 70-year-old man in the middle of the street by the church building before hundreds of people who knew exactly who he was and knew exactly who this old man was who in his 
rights uh, had, because of violation, locked this man out uh, of his building. And the last words that man said to me was, uh, I do not believe that. So as we begin to examine for a moment, uh, these are the generations uh, that have sold the farm. Think with me for a moment as we catch this imagery. uh, And this imagery is of a great stadium, Hebrews chapter 12. In that great stadium uh, are believers in Jesus Christ and If you will bear with me, that's you and I sitting here tonight. And in that great stadium is filled with the fathers. It is filled with the apostles and prophets, as it were, looking down at you and I. It is filled with our loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord. As I was thinking about this, I thought of some dear souls from the Prescott congregation, some dear saints who in the early inception of what God began to do couldn't tell a pot plant from a geranium, but believed that what I said was God, and they began to tie on to this and give of their pittance. One of these is an elderly saint, Juanita Burgess. Juanita Burgess took Harold Warner, a young convert who was so insane that on baptism night he wanted to get baptized naked in front of the people. (laughs) This elderly saint opened her home to this creature. And he lived with her for a period of time while God was wonderfully doing. She... Uh, an old lady. She lived to be 95. Sister Burgess invested out of her little pittances into the work of God. Several times when she was in the hospital, she would always ask me about the men, about the churches, about the work of God. I remember a little Mexican woman, Sister Garcia. Sister Garcia could hardly speak English. She cleaned houses to make a living. And when we had a testimony service, uh, she said, uh, uh, would stand and say these these words, I thank God for too many blessings. (laughs) That was always where she started our testimony. little housemaid that gave of her substance uh, that the work of God uh, could be established. I could go on and on. Dale Copeland, a dear man that used to be our song leader, who these are all now looking down on you and I that are in this place tonight. uh, And this heritage they're very concerned about. What happens to our fellowship, they have an intimate relationship with, and they're very concerned about that. And I want to tell you that God is concerned uh, that they are concerned. And they're watching tonight uh, is you and I are in this place. uh, And as Paul gives the roll call in Hebrews 11 and then moves into Hebrews 12, uh, all these that have gone before us are looking down tonight uh, and they're looking down tonight. uh, They want to know what we're going to do with the vineyard. Are we going to be like the third uh, generation 
as the statement is here, very often the third generation, especially of a spiritual movement, has failed? Or are they going to look down at you and I and see uh, that we did view this as a sacred trust uh, and we did not enthrone our own self-will and sacred agenda upon it, uh, sanctify it uh, by religious verbiage uh, and justification of our own self-will, but we are going to do the will of God and we're going to labor and press through and we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. On Hello, Sermon Podcast listeners. Pastor Adam here. I've got Dave on the line. Hello. Say hello, Mr. Dave. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we wanted to interrupt your sermon uh, listening at the moment just to share with you a few big updates uh, as we are making this podcast hopefully more valuable to you as a listener. And as you know, over the last couple of weeks, we have been uh, adding subscription to our podcast offering. And so our free our free podcast still remains uh, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, and by the way, we've added in a Sunday episode as well. So four sermons a week. That is our plan to keep it going, uh, going forward. And in addition to that, we have uh, three other sermons, a Tuesday, a Thursday, and a Saturday that are now protected behind a, a, a paywall, and those are part of our new premium feed. The other big feature that you're getting as the premium uh, podcast is they are ad-free and interruption-free. They also are released about six hours earlier than all the rest. So we know that doesn't make a big difference for most of you in, in North America, but maybe for uh, our international audience, that might be something helpful. So so we wanted to share with you why we are doing this once again, and I'm going to let Dave tell you why we are making this sermon podcast with a premium subscription uh, versus what we were doing before. Right. Well, uh, the, the reason is we want to uh, be a blessing to world evangelism. We send a... Um... And a world evangelism pledge into our mother church in Chandler, Arizona, uh, every month. And, uh, we want to, uh, we want to be even more of a blessing than we already are. And you can help us with that. And the way we're going to do that is we are not going to keep one dime of anything that comes in from, from, uh, uh, from either ads or from, uh, if you're a premium subscriber, from from your uh, subscription, from the money you pay in your subscription, we're not going to keep any of this. It's all going to go toward world evangelism. So that's why we're doing this. We just we want to uh, we we want to give as much as we possibly can and do everything we can to raise as much as possible for the cause of world evangelism. Yeah, we want to make Pastor Campbell happy. Is yes, what that's we're what really it. trying to do. <laughs> and so we we view the podcast as kind of a, a ship with a sail, you know. And so so far we haven't put up the sail to see how far she can go. So that's what we're doing these last few weeks. Is we have some new uh, tools that we have discovered to, in order to um, to raise these funds and specifically for the for the purpose of world evangelism. So we think that that is something that would be compelling to you as a listener and that's why we are doing this. And so we realize that not everybody is going to become a premium subscriber. That's okay. Uh but if we could yes. get 
um, maybe 10% of our listeners, that would be a significant amount of money. And so um, we wanted to share the update, first of all, that we already do have some premium subscribers. We have a couple on Apple Podcasts, and we also have a couple through our other platform, which is called Supercast. And uh, uh, so as a result, we are now raising approximately $16 per month. That's in addition to our advertising on the free podcast platform. So that is, uh, that's not nothing, you know, we're uh, in just a couple of weeks um, to already be getting $16 per month. We are very, very happy with that. And um, we think that that you will also be blessed by that. So what we wanted to do in this short time that we have together, uh, I wanted, uh, I wanted to twist Dave's arm into doing (laughs) a, a live subscription to the premium podcast while we're listening, just so that you can get an idea how it goes and how easy it is. So I'll tell you that for the for the people who are using Apple phones, it's going to be almost too easy to describe. <laughs> it's going to be actually harder for me to get out the words than it is for you to hit the subscribe button. I, I, I did that on my phone. And before I knew it, I was already signed up for the free three day trial and um, being charged for for, you know, for the premium subscription. So we think those of you who are using the Apple podcast app, it's going to be pretty obvious uh, because it's going to be popping up on your screen, a big subscribe button. So if you have any issues with that, you can let us know. But I think that's going to be super easy. But what I would love for you to do, Dave, mm-hmm. is to go yes. to your uh, podcast app that you're using and uh, on an Android phone, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And I would love for you to talk our audience through what you're seeing as you are uh, subscribing to the premium feed through our other platform, which is called Supercast. So let's hear it, man. Okay, so I've pulled up my podcast app, which I'm using Google Podcast. Um, I've pulled up the um, VBPH Sermon Podcast feed. And this is going to be similar no matter which app you're listening from, whether Spotify right. or Overcast, or there's there's a hundred of them out there. But sure. as long as you can still see our show notes and click on that link, everything from here will be very similar to what Dave is describing. Right. So I'm going to click on uh, the most recent episode that's in the uh, in in this uh, free feed, uh, which is uh, posted 17 hours ago, filled with the spirit and not nice by Pastor Adam Dragoon. All right. And what I see is subscribe to the new daily premium ad free sermon podcast for only three dollars per month. And wouldn't you know, there is a link right here in the show notes vbph-sermons.supercast.tech. So All right. Gonna, what happens when you tap on that link? I tap on that link and it takes me to that very website. And so here we are, sermons.supercast.tech. Become a premium subscriber today. All proceeds benefit world evangelism. And, awesome. now, I, and now I have a choice Okay, I what is do... the choice that you see presented I... before your very eyes? <laughs> Actually, there's two choices. I can do a monthly or a yearly subscription. If I choose monthly, there's there's two uh, options. $3 per month, which says free seven-day trial, cancel any time, start your free trial and with a, if I tap that button. Or the monthly plus, which is $10 a month and also a free seven-day trial. Um, and it says all the benefits of the premium subscription, but triple the impact on world evangelism. Hey, there you go. So, um, if I switch over to yearly, 
there is a $29 a year option or a $99 a year option. Uh, so, um, I'm going to probably what going to, I'm going to do what most listeners are probably going to do. I'm going to, okay. What's that going to be? I'm going to start at the very lowest. Okay. Okay. uh, Which is the $3 per month. I'm going to, I'm going to tap, start your free trial. And it says sign up for monthly $3 per month, free seven day trial, cancel anytime. And I agree to the supercast terms of use and privacy policy. And I click, uh, Google pay. Oh, wow. It's got Google pay in there. It's got Google pay. And by the way, if you're doing this on an Apple phone, it's going to have Apple pay on there as well. Right. And enter my PayPal information through Google Mm -hmm. pay. And what was your password, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Well, ask Google. They've got them all. And uh, (laughs) and what was your social security number? Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Hmm. Your Supercast account has been created. Hot we've dog. Sent, now we've, what sent, we we've sent you an email. And so I go to that email. And wouldn't you know, you have subscribed. And, I, and so I open up that email. It says, uh, connect in three simple steps. One, open this email on the device. Uh, for most people, that's their phone. Uh, click the preferred podcast player icon. And click subscribe, and you're all done. So I'm going to go to my Google Podcast, uh, which it provides me one of the links. And subs- and then Google Podcasts opens, and it says subscribe to a podcast by RSS feed. And it gives me the option to cancel or subscribe. And so I'm going to click subscribe. And boom, I'm in the VBPH Sermon Podcast uh, premium feed. Sweet. So I think that took less than five minutes, and it probably mm-hmm. would have been a lot quicker if you weren't talking about it while you were doing it, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. They, just, they make it pretty painless. And so if you jump through that little hoop, um, then you'll be getting uh, all seven sermons per week. And uh, I just want to give you guys uh, a big shout out for for sticking with us through this. And if, if you become a subscriber, man, that uh, it's you know, we understand like three bucks a month when it really comes down to it is, is not a whole lot of money. But when we have a, a big group of people that do that, it can really make a huge impact. Our goal starting out here is a hundred bucks a month. And we're already about 15%. Well, with Dave's yeah. subscription, we're now close to 20% of that goal. Yes. And so uh, we think that, you know, a hundred bucks a month is, is not nothing. That's uh that's going to be a blessing to uh, a missionary somewhere. And uh, mm-hmm. we want to, we, we think that, that you'd be excited about doing that. And by the way, uh, this week in the premium feed, uh, we posted a sermon by pastor Mark Olson from, I believe the year was 2008. And uh, it was, no, no, no. It was before that. I think it was 2003, but mm-hmm. it was a fireball. It was a Thursday night message from a Prescott conference on world evangelism Thursday. And man, I found myself weeping some tears and being touched by God uh, wow. through that sermon on Thursday. So I'm just telling you that, you know, uh, when you get those premium feeds, you're getting you're getting double the chance that God is going to help you and speak to you through these messages. So, Dave, I'm glad that you you are now a subscriber. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, well, that's all we want to leave you with, guys. We want to thank you for sticking with us while we kind of uh, explain this. And we, we hope that... Um, 
that you find it a blessing too. Uh, even if you don't become a premium subscriber, we still really appreciate you continuing to listen. Uh, we're not going to continue bugging you every every week about this, but we just want to make sure that you are aware how easy it is to become a subscriber if that's something you want to do. And we do appreciate uh, all of you who do that. It's, it's pretty awesome to be a part of that. Absolutely. So thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening to sermons. And thanks for those of you who are becoming subscribers. And thank you for those who are not. Uh, We appreciate you continuing to keep us in your podcast feed on a daily basis. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.